Welcome to Hardware Addicts, a proud member of the Tux Digital Network. Hardware Addicts is the podcast that focuses on the physical components that power our technology world. In this episode, we're going to be talking about mixing and matching computer parts. Are you losing major performance by doing so? Then we head to Camera Corner, where Wendy will discuss Nikon's Monster Lens. So sit back, relax, and plug in, because Hardware Addicts starts now. I'm Ryan, your tech guide through the universe, and with me today are my two co-hosts, Wendy, our resident photographer extraordinaire and hardware enthusiast, along with Michael, the software sage and hardware padawan. Let's find out what tech adventures Wendy has had this week. Wendy, what have you got your hands on? Well, this one isn't new this week. I've actually been reviewing this for a little while. I got a new keyboard at the beginning of May and found it on a really good sale. My other keyboard that I'd been using, it had had water and different things spilled on it. So the RGB wasn't working quite like it was supposed to anymore. We it's know how you love RGB. Yellow. Yeah. Well, I do love backlighting on a keyboard, but the rest of it can kind of go. But I do want to be able to set the <laughs> color. So that's where RGB comes in. I do have some excuses for a little bit of rainbow vomit here and there. I'm gotcha. So you have this a little one, tolerance for it. Just a little a tiny bit of tolerance. Bit. Yes, yeah. just a tiny bit of tolerance. So this is the AOC AGBO AGK seven hundred. Did you get that mouthful? That was just that is such a great modeling system. I just love how they name it. So it's totally. so easy to remember and just rolls right off the tongue. Uh huh. Yeah. And the last little bit of the name is the blue because it's the blue switches. Uh, yeah, at least they got that pretty well named. <laughs> well, that's because someone else named it and. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It has a really nice feel to it, just like what you would expect to with blue switches. I have to say the case on it is really quite nice. It's a very, very solid keyboard, and it is a full-size keyboard. I like full-size keyboards, so it does have them a number pad off to the side. And one of the quote-unquote selling factors of this one for me is there's actually a volume dial at the top. My previous keyboard, I would have to hold function and then use the page up and page down keys in order to adjust volumes. It did have a dedicated mute button, but this is just so much faster. I absolutely love having that knob in order to adjust the volume. And then it also has five different keys on it that you can custom macros on. Nodals are meant for gaming. But I haven't used them for that. I've actually used them for quick links in editing audio and that kind of thing, made those settings. So instead of having to, especially if I haven't been eating all that great and I've getting some of the um, arthritis in my hand issues, holding my hands in some of those funky positions as I'm editing audio, by the end of the day, my hand's really hurting. And that kind of helps fix that. And having those macro keys where you can just hit the button and control Z, control L, you know, all the ones that I hit on a pretty regular basis while editing a show. I wish it came in brown switches. That's actually what I wanted instead of the mm. blues, but it only comes in blue or red. And mm. I need a tactile switch. That's just how I type. It's just how I'm comfortable. And I have to have a tactile switch. So the reds don't work for me. So I got it in the blue. If I could have got it in the brown switches, I definitely would. Um, 
they're a little harder to find right now. I think Amazon, if it's about the only place you can find them. I used to be able to find this keyboard directly on AOC's website, but I'm not seeing it now. So I don't know if they've actually discontinued this one or not. But if mm. you can find it on a sale for a less than $100 keyboard, I'd say it's a rock solid mechanical keyboard. The software is a little bit eh, sketch, but I don't really like any of the software for RGB yeah, items and custom setting buttons. Yeah, they, they are all kind of trash there. But as far as the physical hardware, it's a good one. So it's interesting, AOC diving into keyboard manufacturing. and. Right. They make fantastic monitors. A lot of people love mm -hmm. AOC monitors, and they're definitely one of the bigger companies when it comes to monitor production. So like a lot of companies, even BenQ and other things, they're releasing other peripherals out there, at least under their name. This is kind of their Aegon series. They've got a bunch of different things under this Aegon series. What I like about this Aegon, keyboard... Aegon, but not forgotten. Exactly. <laughs> the dad joke is the fact that they're claiming 100% anti-ghosting, which is a really important thing. So ghosting on a keyboard is when you hit a key, but it doesn't actually register. So this is really annoying if you're typing a lot of fast, if you type fast or you're typing a long document, and then all of a sudden you got, you're hitting these keys, then, then you've got all these spelling mistakes and other stuff because it's not actually registering. Or the worst one, when, you, when it ghosts on like the space bar, right? And then you've got a whole yes. sentence that's running together and stuff like mm. that. So I assume based on the fact that you're really liking this board, you're not experiencing because everyone could claim, oh, we're 100% anti-ghosting, but you haven't right. seen any ghosting issues with this keyboard. I haven't seen any ghosting issues with that. And that's probably another reason why I like the tactile switches is because I can feel, hey, this is when the key should be actuated and making sure that I can see that at the time. And I haven't had any problems with that. I definitely have problems with my spelling, but a keyboard can't fix that. Yeah. <laughs> Not with that attitude. <laughs> it also claims to have incredible pulling rate. So it's definitely able to register the keys very quickly in there. And I do like the knobs as well. Now, my question for you is, I know you use Linux. This has software that's made for Windows in it. Are you able to do all the things you want to do with this keyboard? It's about 95 bucks without yeah. having to install that software. Yeah, it comes with some pre-configured... RGB for it. And um, we do have a Windows laptop in the house that has to be used for different school things every once in a while. So I just threw the software on that one when I wanted to customize the actual color and the buttons. And then it saves all of that to the keyboard and I don't have to hook it up to a Windows system again. Nice. So it has memory profiles built in. Yes. So it allows you to save that stuff. So you only have to set it once. And for a lot of Linux people, they'll utilize like Windows and a VM and things to get around. Right. So to be able to do that. Yeah, it would be cool if AOC would provide actual support in Linux, but at least you have some options there to get around that. So yeah, very cool. I love my Ducky One. We've talked about my Ducky One on previous shows. It's one of my favorite compact keyboards. I would say it's the first compact keyboard, the 10 keyless technically, uh, keyboard that I've actually stuck with and, and really loved. And so that's been my favorite piece of peripheral so far this year has been the ducky one but had i not picked up the ducky one i just like saying ducky one I may have checked out <laughs> this Aegon here because that's a pretty cool looking keyboard and i like the aoc's kind of jumping into this gaming keyboard because they call it the Aegon tournament too so this, this is supposed tournament. to be and it's rated very very highly 4.4 stars it's pretty good on amazon 
Yeah. And it looks good too. I, I like the fact that it has macro keys because macro keys are like once you start using macro keys, it's basically like you don't ever have them. And right. I have a keyboard dedicated to just macro keys and there's 47 keys that I can use. And then one that's like a profile switcher. So it's 47 times four, whoever wants to do the math. And the uh, then I also I got a, a stream deck. And those are really nice too for the like the being able to have a couple, you know, 16 extra buttons or whatever. But those that switch automatically with the application, very cool. Doesn't work mm-hmm. as well in Linux than it does in like the other systems because, you know, it's Elgato and Logitech and they don't seem to care that much, unfortunately. But overall, uh, it does work very, it does work well. And once you set it up, it's good to go. But yeah. I like this idea of having it built into the main keyboard because it just allows more, you know, flexibility with the keyboard. And this one has a, um, my keyboard I have has one of those, like the volume controllers, but it's a scroll wheel. It's not like the actual, like a turn, to- turn a style. And yeah. I would much prefer that because it's, you have more, I would assume you have more granular control than just like a, you know, a scroll wheel attached to the keyboard. I've seen some of the ones with the scroll wheel and I've played with them inside local stores around. I'm definitely one of those people that actually prefers to go in and touch keyboards before buying one. Because I got this one at such a great price, I just went ahead and bought it when I got it on the sale that it was on because I picked mine up for $85. So, I mean, really, a mechanical keyboard for 85 bucks is pretty good. I did not put any effort into choosing my keyboard. I said, I said, hey, Ryan, uh, give me. (laughs) (laughs) So, So Ryan supplied your mechanical keyboard? Well, I also said that I had never used a mechanical keyboard in the first place. And he mm-hmm. said, how are, how dare you be a, a tech, call yourself a tech person and not use a mechanical keyboard? I'm like, uh, but shut up. It's $15. I'm okay with $15. And then he said, no, you, once you use it, you're going to, within 15 minutes, you're going to be totally hooked on mechanical keyboards and you're going to hate not having one. It's true. As, mm-hmm. and, and I actually proved him wrong. It was, it was five minutes. <laughs> Uh, this is actually a true story time. yeah it sounds like he's making it up but it's actually factually how it happened he came to my house with like this ten dollar walmart keyboard with no name on. i'm like what is this crap and he's over there oh, he's got wow. he's got big giant hands too and he's over uh-huh. there trying to type on this stupid thing and i'm like <laughs> what are you doing man like and then yeah now he's addicted now he'll never yeah, go back now i yeah. now when i don't have a mechanical keyboard i notice it and it's annoying so anytime i'm using right. a laptop i i can say like there are some laptop keyboards that are better than others. Many, mm-hmm. many, many of them are terrible, but some of them are actually good. And if you compare the absolute best laptop keyboard to a mediocre mechanical keyboard, uh, mechanical is still going to win. As long as there's no actual issues with that keyboard, like the ghosting or whatever. If yeah. it's yeah. just like comparing the feel between the two, uh, mechanical wins automatically. And if it's a good mechanical keyboard, then it's just not even fair. For yeah. sure. And you guys have seen that some mechanical keyboards have some really weird layouts, which make them difficult to use. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. So as long as the layout is good and all of that. But I guess that's part of the reason why I'm a fan of the full-size keyboards. One, I do use my number pad all the time. And Same. I like that space. My, my desk is large. This right here is part of my desk. It's 20 square feet. When I'm working on stuff over here, it doesn't feel big enough. I actually wish I would have made it longer, <laughs> but... Yeah. Oh well, the next one I can make longer. Yeah. 
You're at least making your own desk, which is pretty dope. Too. Yes. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yes. Yeah. My, my pretty epoxy pour desk. But you know what, Michael? You can not only make your own desks if you're like Wendy, but you can make your own servers as well. Using That's true. You can do that with Linode. Visit linode.com slash tux and see why over a million developers trust Linode for their infrastructure. From their award-winning support, offer 24-7, 365 to every level of user, not beginning on like what tier you're using. Just become a customer of Linode and you get that support to their ease of use and ease of setup. It's clear why developers and businesses have been trusting Linode for projects both big and small since 2003. Linode offers the industry's best price performance value for all compute instances, including shared, dedicated, high memory, and GPUs. And Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible, allowing you to focus on your customers, not your infrastructure. So visit linode.com slash tux. That's linode.com slash T-U-X and get your account. And when you do, you're going to get a $100 60-day free credit when you go to linode.com slash tux. So you can use it to build any kind of thing you want to just play with and test different software, or you can use it to use their one-click apps in their app marketplace to quickly and easily set up pretty much anything, whether you want to do a WordPress website or a Minecraft server, all of that is easily accessible in their app marketplace. So visit linode.com slash tux. That's linode.com slash T-U-X. Ryan, there are some questions about hardware and you'll see them on, you know, Reddits and Twitters and the Facebooks and stuff. Maybe Those even some Reddits, some grams of Instas. Those Reddit people get Reddits. off my lawn. Yeah. Yeah. Those Canadian Reddits. adding those extra S's to every word. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, so the question <laughs> I saw that I thought was pretty interesting and we wanted to put on the show, I think, is the combination of CPU and GPU being different brands. So can you mix and match a CPU and a GPU? For example, if you have, like I do, I have an AMD CPU and an AMD GPU, and I'm considering to get a NVIDIA GPU so that I can use this particular type of software, actually a particular piece of software, that really only focuses on NVIDIA. Now, technically it works in AMD, but it doesn't work well. Most of like 90% of the stuff that you'd want to use is focused on NVIDIA, and that is DaVinci Resolve. So I am heavily considering switching out my AMD GPU with a NVIDIA GPU, and is there an issue if I did that? And you're going to keep your AMD CPU at the same time? Yes, that is the plan. Are you nuts? This will blow up your entire machine. It will literally that, explode okay, into I, shrapnel and completely eradicate your room and everybody who lives in that home of yours. Okay, fine. I'll ta- I, get, I get the hint. I'll upgrade the AMD so I don't keep the exact same one. I'll get a new AMD. Is that is that better? That's better because your okay. AMD is really old, so it probably <laughs> might explode. Uh, no, seriously, though, this is not an issue as far as can you. So can you take an AMD CPU and pair it with an NVIDIA GPU? The answer is absolutely 100% yes. Now, there are things in a machine you do not want to mix and match. RAM would be the first thing that comes to my mind, right? Mm. And this is something you see a lot of people do because let's say they have two sticks of RAM set in their system at 32 gigabytes. And then they're like, hey, I found this really cool sale on another stick of RAM or another pair of RAM, and I'm going to put that in there as two. This can create stability issues. Now, if you're doing it in pairs, there are people who will argue that they've had success 
utilizing pairs, at least two of the same types of RAM. And then have four slots and put two in, like, you know, they do exactly. the alternate things, the right. alternate bays and the alternate. Uh, okay, I've done that, and I didn't know that that was even possibly a problem. So I don't do it now, but I have done that in the past. I mean, things have gotten to the point in computers where everything is so, it's so much about timing and perfection because things are moving so fast. So when you have RAM that your timing and your megahertz is different on one pair than it is on another pair, this can still create issues with your system. Although as long as you're doing pairs, it's much better than the systems that I have personally worked on where people have four different types of RAM in their four different slots. And then they're like, why is my computer freezing? Why is it locking up? And those type of things. And that's the reason. I did not do that. However, there was a time when we talked about the RAM. I'm not sure if we talked about on the show, but there was a time where when I mentioned I had two different pairs, Ryan saw my configuration and said, we have to fix this now. And the best part is that I said, I have these RAM. It's, this RAM is good. It's, 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 he's like, what's the megahertz or whatever? And I gave it to him. He's like, oh, that's good. What's the other pair? And it was like the basic minimum. And then I learned that day that it works with whatever your worst RAM is. Yes, so exactly. That's, your motherboard's going to gonna clock down to that. And so, you know, it's not a good idea to mix and match memory. But from a GPU and CPU standpoint, lots of people do this it's definitely okay to switch them out. However, there is a little, there's always in the technology, but, Mm -hmm. but type of thing out there. Recently, there's been a lot of discussion around in in these recent generations around things like AMD smart memory access. And we're going to shorten that to Sam. Good old Sam there. Smart memory access. And smart memory access creates this expanded data channel that takes advantage of the CPU. Shouldn't it be SMA? It's Sam, okay? Maybe it should be, you're right, it should be SMA. Smart access memory. There we go. (laughs) There we go. We switched it up. I did do a SMA. You smut it. For AMD, it's SMA. (laughs) But anyways, the key is, the point is that essentially it takes advantage of the CPU PCI express lane that the GPU needs to operate. And with this increased bandwidth on that PCI bus, the CPU can access larger temporary assets from the GPU. So think about it as it can borrow memory from your GPU if that's cool. you're utilizing an AMD CPU and an AMD GPU. So when you switch, Michael, to your NVIDIA, you're not going to have that option available to you to take advantage of AMD's but version But that also means I would have to have a relatively new generation of AMD hardware to have this support, right? Correct. Okay, I don't have that right now, so I'm not going to lose that. <laughs> oh, okay, <laughs> least- so... How far back are you? Uh, my CPU is a 3900X. Yeah, it's not too bad. You're not that far back because I'm just a 3950X. I'm just yeah, a well, little bit ahead of you. The In GPU fact, is a Vega 64. That one's starting to age there. And so your GPU, I, I don't think, will take advantage that. of it. I did not. I upgraded the CPU from a 2700X to a 3900X. Yeah. I could have swore that you were getting a new GPU. And getting rid of your Vega 64. Well, let's just pretend ago. it's still in the box. Oh, he does have I one don't. sitting I in the box. I said pretend it's still in the box. It's also still in the store. I never oh. bought it. Okay. All right. Just <laughs> oh, making okay. sure. I, okay. I agree with you, Wendy. I remember giving him a 580, I thought, or something like that. And there oh, yeah, literally may be a box. Too. I thought a 580 is older than that. No, Vega 64 is, was older. 
Uh, Whatever it the was. The Vega 64 is still a better end card than the 580. I would have stick with the 64 anyway, yeah. but I could have swore that you'd given him another card. I thought I did too. Yeah. Yeah, you're muted right now, but because that's your um, guilt so talking. We, we can't hear your whining at this moment. So you do have another GPU in a box. I may have forgot that. What? Uh, hold on, hold on. It's installed. I remember now. So the hardware Padawan in me has now risen again. I forgot that I replaced it with that hound thing, whatever it was. What that's, was it called? That's the one I gave you, the the Hellhounds yeah, card. That one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew I gave you a card. Yeah. Okay, so I have that one in, in my, whatever that is, I have that. Unbelievable, Wendy. It's so embarrassing. I knew, I knew he had something newer than the 64. Should I check I to make sure it's did. installed? Do you all want me to check to make it? Yeah, you can do that while I'm going on here. So talking about hardware needed for this, unbelievable. Uh, the AMD 500 series motherboard you need at least. You need what you would have, Michael. You need an AMD Ryzen 3000 series processor, which you have, the 3900, or 5000 series processor later. And then the Radeon, RX 5000 series GPU or later, which I'm pretty sure what I gave he you doesn't. was. So, oh, you know, well, it might be. We'll have to see. We'll see what he comes back with. It's been so long. I forgot I what, what, Here's when the I gave reason. him. I remember that conversation because you joked about you had just given him a new card. And so he could send me the Vega 64 because I That's was still right. running on a 580. Yeah. I wonder if he ever put it in his system, you know? I don't know. I think it was like a 6700 XT. It was the Power Color Hellhound 6700 XT is what I think he has in his system now. So much better so, than he got there. Yeah, so him and I, I think, are on the same card. I think I'm running a 6700 right now. Yeah. So this whole smart uh, access memory thing, overall, it's about it's made mostly for gaming. So if you're a heavy gamer, this is something you may want. You're not a heavy gamer, then this means nothing to you. Essentially, there are some other applications that can take advantage of it, but it's 99% gaming there. And they found about a 2% gain overall in those games. That's the overall shift that you see when you have that. So you have to ask yourself a question of number one: Is gaming super important to what you're doing in your production? If it, the answer is yes. There's only specific games that this that take advantage of this, and your lift can be two percent overall. And in certain games, it's eight to fifteen percent. But again, in Michael's case, like for Da Vinci, that's the most important thing. He also games, so is it worth it to not mix and match? And then you can't use your favorite app, Da Vinci Resolve. And in your case, Michael, I'd say the answer is no. Go ahead and no, mix and match and software. lose the ten, eight, ten percent in that you could have gained potentially in some certain games that take advantage of it. Yeah, I would definitely want to use the software that I, I need that software for productivity reasons. So that's, it's more important in the game. And if I lose a little bit in the game, but not a lot, then I, that's fine. That doesn't really yeah. make much of it. And also I'm not going to see that much of a difference anyway, because my monitor is probably going to lower the refresh rates like or the frame rates because of that anyway so it doesn't really make that much difference because my monitors are more for productivity with like color accuracy and all that sort of stuff rather than gaming because i want to game i care about gaming but it's Secondary. 20 of what's interesting in terms of what hardware i choose however now that i am back i wanted to confirm i do have the hellhound installed in my machine i even took a photo of it and sent it to both of you to prove that it is there so all right 
Yes. That is the 6700 XT Hellhound from Power Color. It's a very good card that you have in your machine. You're welcome, Michael, even Thanks, though buddy. you forgot. It's funny because on Destination Linux podcast and everywhere, he's been telling everyone he has a Vega 64, and... I know, did not. not <laughs> I forgot to... See, the, for those who are wondering why I'm Sound still like called Mario. a hardware Padawan, that would be why. You're like, I forgot to... You sound like Mario I right forgot to... It's, it's it's a cpu and a gpu well, here's one thing i want you to check michael when we get done with the show what's the data ryan you have the amd gpu you have the amd cpu and all your specs suggest that you should be able to turn sam on oh well now but I you do have try to that, do yes. that in your bios so you're going to go into your bios and you're going to enable a feature called rapid resize bar or r bar is this a good idea ryan yes Okay. Uh, or it'll say something like above 4G decoding enablement or something along those lines. It'll be one of okay. those two. And then you're going to go in your BIOS and you're going to enable it and then you're going to reboot and you're going to tell me that 8 to 15% how much of a difference it's making for you. There. Okay, I will do that. And then I will also test to see if I can get the Resolve because res like Resolve worked. I got it to install on what I wanted to, but it's not doing, it's not performing as well as I was hoping. So if I can increase it even there, then it might be worth it as well. So, well, will that's it. the problem. See, it's mostly for gaming, and I don't know that DaVinci Resolve oh, would take advantage of it at all. Probably so you not. probably won't notice any difference. But that game you play, that little kids play too, the ones that's like for four year olds. You mean oh. the greatest game ever created, Rocket League? Yes. Yeah, where you strap rockets to cars and bounce a ball around. It's that game. A fantastic game you may see some performance increase. In. That's great, and I will not notice it whatsoever because yeah. the thing about that is that once you're playing, when you play, I play at a high tier, people. For those who are not aware, I'm a Rocket League champion. I'm a champ level player. It's equivalent means, of stomping kids on a basketball court. No, being that you're no, it's four. not. No, it's not. Because on a basketball court, I have the advantage. In Rocket League, I've been destroyed by nine-year-olds. Like yeah. it, they're very good. It would, like the the be able to quickly react where I can't react as fast. Like that, I know my place anyway. So what I'm saying is, is that in the Rocket League high tiers, we turn off everything that's annoying, and the change will not be affected whatsoever. I won't notice anything. Maybe, maybe not. Try it anyway. I guess I could cause. turn on some stuff and see if it does anything. There you like go. Negative there, or maybe you could keep some of those cool settings on because now you've got the eight to ten percent improvement true. there. I could have like more dynamic shadows and stuff. Yeah. Now, for those who have the Intel NVIDIA builds, you don't have to worry about the lock-in, the proprietary SAM technology on AMD because NVIDIA doesn't lock their technology to just one CPU maker. They don't have a desktop CPU on the market yet although there are rumors that one is coming so keep that in mind but since geforce rtx 30 series they do use the more generic resizable bar which is a feature that was introduced in the pcie 3.0 spec and it works with both intel or amd cpus to support it which is in all of them so in that case michael that's an option for you well i am curious i mean i'm I think if if the 6700 XT that I have is a good card and it's still in the same like a reasonable tier then I'm kind of limited if that's still a good card and it doesn't work very well on resolve at all then maybe I need to uh look at Nvidia anyway. 
get NVIDIA anyway, and you still could turn on the generic version of this technology, and it may not be as fanciful as the AMD one where they're pairing their same cards together, but it'll still work. And then you got to think uh, Intel CPU and Intel GPUs, because we now have the ArcLine series out there, and they have something called Deep Link technologies that they've released, and these include like hyperencode, which allows for faster video encoding, and hypercompute, mm. which allows it to do some AI processing tasks and things better. However, this is very limited gain because you know the Intel Arc GPUs are not very powerful. So if you just got a high-end NVIDIA, you're going to be able to do those better AI and processing anyways. But it is cool that you have that option if you do have those two paired together there. So everyone kind of wants you to buy their combos if they have a combo. NVIDIA doesn't yet. And they provide some limited advantages that they're doing to kind of you know incentivize you to do so. But honestly, none of the gains are worth it, especially in cases like yours, Michael, where if you're building a brand new PC, sure, why not match it all together and allow them to use their services? But in the case where you need a specific piece of software, you know, just mix and match to your pleasure there. Well, then mix and match I shall. There you go. And then it's more of a balanced build question, too, of budget and cost. So for that Intel Arc person and that Intel CPU, you know, it's about your budget. If you can't afford the NVIDIA or AMD line or their higher end line, and you can only afford the lower end stuff, maybe the Intel to Intel Arc is a better combo for just uh, a balanced build for you and your budget. So those are the, the those are the times you would want to try to make sure you're matching those up. And so, RAM. yes, and make sure your RAM is not mix and match. So, Wendy, you have AMD, AMD, correct? Yep. Yeah, and I have that AMD, I AMD. And Michael, we've just discovered, has had AMD, AMD, but suddenly, miraculously, his has card better upgraded AMD, to better AMD than he even knew he had. So all of us are all AMD anyways right now, so it makes it a little easier. But I'm in the same boat as you, Michael. I want to put an NVIDIA GPU in for DaVinci Resolve. Mm-hmm. And so... It is really good software. There you go. I mean, and it the is. idea of like losing features and losing performance just because of what hardware you're using, that's very annoying. So typically... I would not do this and tell DaVinci or Blackmagic Design to go away and never come back because that's a ridiculous thing to do where you're focusing on one piece of hardware. However, it is really good, though. Like yeah, The editor is really, really good. good. It's re- I know. <laughs> DaVinci <laughs> really. Resolve has some of the best color correcting of any video editor there is out there. So I would compare yeah. the color correction in DaVinci Resolve to a really good raw photo editor like Darktable or some of the like. Oh, wow. Where you can go in, you can pick things, you can put masks on it so you're just adjusting specific parts of the image. Like it is Mm -hmm. very, very detailed in how you can go on that color correction. So I can definitely see why people would want to use that, but I get your frustration of... I want to use this piece of software, but it almost locks me into this piece of hardware if I want yeah. it to work smoothly. Yeah, it's basically like there's certain features that are optimized for NVIDIA for like the CUDA mm-hmm. core stuff and things like that. And it's performance and rendering and various things. And I think that DaVinci is a very good piece of software, but I can't really express how much it boils my blood to have to get another piece of hardware just for one application. And there's there's people who would refuse 
to ever use something because of like, oh, I have to spend another $500 or more just to use this. The cost of the re- of, of Resolve is like a third of the GPU. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's kind of weird. I would rather you make an AMD version and charge me triple the cost for the software than to make me go buy a hard a piece of hardware for no reason. Don't give them mm-hmm. ideas, Michael. Yeah. Don't give them ideas. I would so, I would rather pay the same amount that I'm currently paying. Thank you. That's better. <laughs> to be fair, when DaVinci Resolve started, AMD GPUs were absolute garbage. Yeah, that's true. true. And so that's they true. were focused on the high-end GPUs that really could get the work done with their software. Then you go into the software side of it. Now DaVinci Resolve has been going for so long that to go in and now change some of that stuff, you're jumping over code and code that is now full of gunk because it's just been around for so long. I know it's one of the reasons why it's one of the reasons why Adobe has said that, you know, they really aren't interested in porting some of their software to different places now, like Linux, is just because of the the Adobe. Because well, they've proven themselves, they have to. Adobe is a great example that they're they're actually kind of Da Vinci too. Because the fact that Apple switched to the M1 chips and the other the Apple Silicon forced or whatever them to do it, it yeah. forced them to rewrite so much of it anyway. Like they didn't really. It's not like oh we don't have a justification. Like now now you're forced to do it and you accept your your, your fate. So they they're just using an excuse to not do it. So for unless Linux. Nvidia goes out of business and they're forced to start writing specifically for AMD, and I, I don't mean, think yeah. that's going to happen because I've made right. a fortune off Nvidia's stock recently thanks to AI. So thanks Nvidia for that. <laughs> but one thing I can't stand with Nvidia is that they don't support Linux very well, and because right. of that, you know, the, you've got the DaVinci situation, you've got the Linux situation, and I'm forced into the same thing. I'd rather utilize AMD. I like not having to install proprietary drivers on my machine, but DaVinci is so good that I'm kind of forced to. Now, for those who are on Windows machines and they're listening to this just from a hardware standpoint, you're not going to have this issue necessarily if you have an AMD GPU and an AMD You're not uh, going to have motherboard. it to a degree, but you will have it because DaVinci Resolve... That's what I was going to say, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, DaVinci Resolve works on AMD and Windows, Correct. but it works... not as well right it's not optimized for it and in linux you can technically install the proprietary amd drivers to get some of it working but again you have the same problem where it doesn't work as well so you get a little more hang-ups and things like that in there so ultimately though back to your original question yes mix and match to your pleasure if you want but if there's a specific software or something that you're using take that into consideration if your budget is in considering you're doing a brand new build, then why not utilize the same manufacturer and take advantage of things like Sam where it makes sense, but otherwise not a big deal. We'll mix and match, Michael, and we'll be just happy. Perfect. Be better than happy. Perfect. But Wendy, we need to switch gears here. Go into the camera corner because you're talking about a monster lens here. And I don't know much about cameras, although you've been schooling me, but anything that's gigantic and huge and costs lots of money makes me happy. So tell me about it. This is a really, really awesome lens. It's 180 millimeters to 600 millimeters. So this lens has a long reach. This is great for if you're wanting to photograph 
wildlife, even some sports events, you wouldn't need that 600 millimeter reach, but it can get you zoomed in there so you can get good action of the players, all kinds of stuff like that. And it's priced in a range that your beginning photographer isn't going to just drop money on it, but your enthusiast, it's in that enthusiast range. It's not just for professionals. So before we get all the way into the price, let's talk about how this lens attaches. Can you use it on the old style DSLRs? Nope. This is their Z-mount. So it is meant for their mirrorless line of cameras. And it is the predecessor to their 200 to 500 millimeter lens for the F-mount. So those old DSLR cameras. So this one actually gives you a wider range than its predecessor does. And it actually lets in quite a bit of light for the range that you're getting. So it starts at 5.6. So at your 100 millimeters, that f-stop will be a 5.6. And when you're all the way to 600 millimeters, you're only cutting your light by a little bit because you're at a 6.3 f-stop. So in lenses, especially zoom lenses, If you are buying a lens there, you can have the same low f-stop all the way through that line. So if I could be 5.6 at the front of that zoom and all the way at the back of that zoom, you're spending a lot of money for that lens. So it's not much adjustment, but because they're not keeping, they're not doing all that work to have as much light at the back end, you are paying a little bit less for it. That's kind of the give and take of those two things. I did link an article and Ryan can, or you guys can look up this lens. It, you just have to see it on a camera body for it to make sense. Just how large this thing is. It looks is. freaking awesome. I just yes. want one. It does look cool. Cause it's huge. And people would think, wow, that person <laughs> must really know what they're doing. You have you know to be legit doing. at that point. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it does have 25 elements in it. And we talked about last week's, Last week, elements are those individual pieces of glass in 17 groupings. And six of those elements are that glass that helps light pass through a little bit better with one of the aspherical elements. So there were more of those on the lenses that we talked about on the previous episode. But remember, this is staying in that enthusiast market and not necessarily those super high-end lenses. Your filter size is 95 millimeters. So, of course, you're going to need to have a really large filter for something like this. One of the cool things, though, and it's kind of a must for a lens like this, it does have the image stabilization built into it, which is super awesome, especially if you're shooting without a tripod in order to get those pictures of say the sports things or the wildlife wildlife you might be on a tripod and it does have an additional mount on it this lens is so big that connecting the tripod to the lens is better than connecting the tripod to the actual camera itself it'll That's support hilarious. the weight way better mm. <laughs> so i was wondering the pictures of it yeah, yeah that hook little at leg the bottom that's was. sticking out yeah that's your mount yeah. gotcha mm-hmm. also i was wondering does this take a huge amount of I don't know where in terror on your camera having something that big and heavy connected to it. Cause I would imagine, I know when you're holding it, you're supporting it, but there are photos of this where it's just hanging on somebody's side with the giant 
lens, which at that point, I guess it could be like a cane, <laughs> help you walk. But I mean, does that not create wear and tear on the camera frame itself? Or is that mount just that good that it typically can handle that? When you're, typically when you're talking camera mounts, they lock into place, they twist and lock. So mm-hmm. you would have to be doing some major tweaking on it. And then, like you said, when you're shooting with it or walking around, if I'm holding it as I'm walking, I'd still most likely be holding it by the lens instead of holding it by the camera body because that's where the most amount of weight is. This camera lens way outweighs your mirrorless camera body without a doubt. The lens itself is is almost 200 grams. Wow. What's that in freedom units? Or 2,000 grams. In freedom units? In freedom units. (laughs) Heavy. Heavy, Michael. It's heavy. Okay. 2,000 grams to pounds is four pounds. That's 4.4 pounds of lens. That's what I'm talking about. That's good. That's good. Also, it's heavy. Yeah. It actually kind of looks like like it's, it's a massive lens, and it makes me think that this is more accurate to call it a Canon than those other cameras. <laughs> well, and Canon does have some massive lenses like that, but now it's time for the price. We're definitely over $1,000. Now we're talking. But we're short of two. It's going to launch in August of this year for right around $1,700 for this lens. Like I said, it's not cheap by any means. But there's some of You're these lenses, especially the, with this zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. No, it was only 2,000 grams. Well, close enough. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what, though? You, you got to make some decisions in your life. You want to be a photographer, you might want to pick up one of these lenses. Or if you're not sure you want to be a photographer, spend that same amount of money on coaster wheels for your Mac Pro. Either there way, you you're about $2,000 that what you're going to be spending uh, on something. So got to budget it in, Michael. Gotta figure out what's priority. Coaster now, wheels now I can't or lights. I can't decide. <laughs> So so difficult. <laughs> so Wendy, will you be picking? Well, you don't have a mirrorless camera, but I, I know you want have a one. Camera. Would this be a lens you personally would pick up when you do get a mirrorless camera? I absolutely love the lenses that reach out. So this is one of those that would be in my wheelhouse. This is one of those ones that I would be looking at for sure. Nice. So if you have one of these cameras, Nikon mirrorless with the Z mount that you can utilize this. Taunt Wendy on our discourse forums <laughs> by posting pictures of this lens on that camera and make her super, super jelly. That's the best thing. Thanks you can do. so much, Ryan. You're such a You're great welcome. friend. <laughs> Looking out for everybody here. <laughs> well, that's pretty awesome. Well, that's it. Our 78th episode of Hardware Addicts is a wrap. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you your bi weekly tech fix. And if you're not all lit up on tech yet, then be sure to check out all the great content on the Tux Digital Network. Head to TuxDigital.com and check out all the great podcasts and YouTube partners available. There's so much to fill your brains with. Remember, there's no such thing as too much hardware. Learn, build, innovate, and grow. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time for another episode of Hardworks, where we always mix and match all the best pieces of hardware and remember what we installed in our machines. Nice. Well, you don't remember. You okay, never remember. okay. We, we as in the, you what you We as in them. two out of three people on the show. <laughs> that was so embarrassing, Michael. So embarrassing. 
I mean, I'm okay with it. I'm a Padawan. I, st I still have ways to go. But you wanted us to upgrade you from Padawan earlier, so yes. that's not going to happen. Not after that. I, I've, I've, I've accepted my fate. I've accepted it. Yeah.